Hey, Senda. Hey, Phil. Hey, I've uh, captured this prisoner. What should we do with them? Um, Cue music. And welcome to another fine episode of Panda's Talking Games. I am your host, Phil. And I am your other host, Senda. And before we get to today's topic, we do have a little bit of housekeeping business to cover, which is what we promised you last week when we took our little Thanksgiving hiatus. Um, We're back, but only for this week. So we are going to be taking a hiatus over the holidays this year. Uh, This episode is going to drop on December the 7th. Um, We're recording it a little bit earlier than that, of course. So this episode is going to drop on December the 7th. We are not going to be recording any more episodes in December. The next episode that you will get, and we're taking New Year's off too, FYI. The next episode that you will get is going to drop on January the 11th. So we are taking a full four weeks off and actually just not produce anything during that time. It's time for us to recharge our creative batteries, mm-hmm. take a little downtime. Uh, we both really get into uh, the Christmas spirit, so we both like doing all the holiday thingies. So for that, we're giving ourselves a little time to uh, actually do that. And then we'll be back in January uh, when we will also cross the official 300th episode, even though we've done more than 300 episodes because of pandemic, but we will hit our official 300th episode shortly after we return in January. I don't know what that's going to entail, but 300 episodes in podcast land is not anything to sneeze at. It's a lot. It's a lot of episodes. It's a lot. (laughs) It's actually twice as many episodes as I did for Sasgeek. Yeah, Sasgeek arguably was longer, though. It was longer. uh, Well, it released biweekly instead of weekly. So Yeah, we're relentless. Like, we are are like a machine when it comes to putting (laughs) out episodes. Yeah. And that's okay. Um, at 300, we'll, and, and I'm going to tell you right now, we have not done anything talked or planned about 300, Mm-mm. so that probably will be something we do while we're on hiatus, is talk yep. about what post-300 pandas will look like. I suspect it will look a lot like uh, right now. I think yep. we've settled into a format that we're really comfortable with, but, you know, it, it'll be time to kind of talk about uh, those things, and we'll talk about it all in episode 300, occurring probably mid to end, uh, end of January. Cool. Anyway, today um, we're talking about prisoner stuff. Recently. We received a gamer horror story. And in that gamer horror story, it brought up a topic that we thought would be worth doing today, which is about captured combatants in uh, role-playing games. Right. So to, to paraphrase the story for you so as not to give away any particular personal details um, of, of anything that happened, um, it, it went kind of like this. Basically, the characters were tracking a bandit camp. They captured a bandit scout um, under duress. The scout revealed the location of the bandit camp. And now the characters are like had to debate about what to do with the scout. Right. Do they kill the scout? Do they tie them up and leave them like figuring they'll get out later or, or um, die of exposure or, or get eaten take them back to town where they're going to get killed? Right. Like, take you know, them back to the town, town where they're going to get hung. Yeah. Right. Um, so like all of these or do they just let them go? But then they're concerned that they'll run and warn the bandits. Right. So what do they what do they do in this particular situation? Um, And it sounds like in this particular horror story, the game devolved into debates and arguments um, for a long period of time. I think this is something that many people argue about when it comes up at the table. And some people are just like, it's a game, kill them. And some people are like, that's terrible, right? Like, so it's something that you can spend a lot of time arguing about at the table. Yeah. And so that's what we wanted to look at today was what we're calling... um, Jokingly calling the prisoner dilemma because there is actually a real prisoner dilemma, but we're for today. That one one is the prisoner's dilemma, possessive. This is the prisoner dilemma. (laughs) Yeah, this is the, yeah, because no way people will misunderstand that like pandas talking games. Um, Possessive. It's possessive. (laughs) In either case, what we're going to talk about today is the basic setup of your players have gotten into a combat and within that combat, 
a combatant or more than one surrender are captured are somehow uh, restrained or whatever in a way that they are not killed right in most cases in combats players just you know once a combat starts it usually winds up as like an attrition until one side decimates the other one and completely destroys them but on occasion in terms of story there are times where players do things like cast a sleep spell or grapple somebody um, or sometimes the bad guys give up their hired help they didn't sign up for you know getting the you know hell kicked out of them by a group of you know right formal adventurers and they're like, you know, I give up. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to get killed. And so now we have this former combatant. They clearly were hostile to the players at the point of when they were in combat. Um, but they are now in a position where they can't strike back. The players have complete control over the fate of this person. And it starts to bring up questions about what to do with this character. And there's a couple of things that are at play. Yeah, I, I'm going to add one more point. They could oh, sure. also be going out specifically to catch someone because they need, for example, for intelligence in, in a purposes. story, Absolutely. right? Like they, they needed to know where the bandit ca you know, camp was. They might have intentionally caught this scout. Right. Absolutely. That's the, that's the other scenario. Sorry. Yeah, sorry. We, yes. we wind up in the same situation, though, where the players, the player characters now have complete, complete control, control of the situation yes. and have the fate of this character in their hands. Yeah. So basically, and there are a number of things at play, right? Like there are a number of things that the players themselves are grappling with in terms of what to do with this NPC. Um, so they might fear that the, the prisoner will foil or complicate their plans. Sure. So if we free, you know, hey, if we free the prisoner, um, now that we know where the bandit camp is, if we free him, he's just going to run back to the bandit camp and warn them we're going to lose our element of surprise. So we clearly can't let this person go. We should kill him. Yeah. Or um, they could be arguing about uh, realism versus game story, which is the same as kind of like real physics versus game physics. Like how 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 in depth are you going to go with that? Yeah, this, this is the meta level discussion, which is like, well, it's only realistic if, you know, this guy's loyal to the bandits that he would go back and try to warn the bandits. So again, we'll lose our we're going to lose our element of surprise. So let's slit his throat. Yeah, right. Um, there's also a difference and we don't always, we don't always, sometimes we do, right? And sometimes we do for specific things. We'll get into this maybe a bit later when we bring up one of the options for dealing with this, but there is a difference between combat and violence, right? Violence certainly occurs during combat, um, but doesn't have to. And combat is, you know, we, we kind of accept that as a premise of many role-playing games, certainly not all of them, but many of them we anticipate going in that there will be an, a potential element of combat and we kind of know what that looks like and like you're going to fight somebody, right? Our monsters are attacking. We must defend ourselves. Combat. Right. Combat. Yes. But violence is different, right? Violence is like where you damage something where you are it's the position that we're talking about here right being able to inflict violence on an unarmed combatant is different than locking swords with you know an opponent yeah well i mean and i think it comes down to what we were talking about before where this is the moment that um, the player characters have complete control over the fate of this person. Mm -hmm. We're not talking about you're fighting someone who's trying to kill you and you're trying to kill them and they can defend themselves and you're defending yourself. Um, we're talking about um, a situation in which they cannot defend themselves and you're just going to murder them. That's yeah. that's different. It's a different thing. Yeah, um, I, it, it's funny. There's a... Um... There's a stark contrast to this in one of my um, favorite movies um, from the 80s. So my older, our older listeners will appreciate this. Um, okay. I was just watching this the other night um, in the movie Red Dawn, which has no shortage of combat, right? No shortage of um, our teenage, our teenage, um, our teenage rebellious heroes, the Wolverines, shooting up the Russian soldiers who have occupied their hometown. There's no shortage of that. But then there is a very stark scene where one of the um, teenagers was forced to betray the other ones um, 
into telling the Russians where they were located. And the, the teens all narrowly escape, but they figure out that one of them has betrayed them and they have them tied up and they're talking about what to do with them. And then one of the characters, without saying a word, just walks up and shoots them. Aye. And that's like straight on violence, right? And and it is, and and why I, the reason I bring this up is that it feels different when you see it. When you see them in combat shooting and stuff like that, you're like, ooh, combat. But when you see Robert walk up and just shoot his, like, you know, his fellow freedom fighter who betrayed him, it's cold. Like, it's, and the way it's shot and everything is very, um, like, it's harsh. And that's what we're talking about here. There is a, there is a difference between combat and violence. Um, and that is in play when we talk about what to do with a prisoner. Mm -hmm. All right, lastly, what's the last thing? Lastly, lastly, you may have characters in your party who are officially aligned to the game concept of good and game concepts which are not good, um, which I say, you know, in D&D world, it's very straightforward to talk about good, lawful, neutral, etc., but depending on what system you're playing, there may be characters who have certain commitments or who have specific, quote, alignments, unquote, etc. And now you have people at the table who may have conflicting character alignments or character beliefs. And even if we're not talking about mechanics, we just have like the general tone of the character, of the yes. players who are playing those characters. Yes. Like in my Forbidden Lands game, which I'm going to bring up a story in a little bit. In my Forbidden Lands game, the player characters were good. There's no alignment system or anything like that. They just were good. Like yeah. they helped people. They fought off bandits and things like that, but they were good. Yeah. Um, not that they were mechanically restrained or confined in any way. They just chose to play like that because they wanted to be heroic characters, which, you know, also then begs the question, you know, it doesn't beg the question when you are a good character, it implies that you have some moral and ethics and violence is probably in like the topic of violence is probably addressed by your moral and ethics. Yeah. Right. It, it might create a justification for you to defend yourself and, and justify combat, but rarely are you good and also are able to commit violence. Right. On a helpless person. Correct. You, yeah. Exactly. Um, yes. <clears throat> cool. So, so cool. yes. Which brings us to the next section, which is in games where characters are are good, as we define good, in as in having a set of morals and ethics that we understand to be quote good, right? Um, the prisoner dilemma, that's where we create an issue, right? Because what do you do? Because you don't want to just murder them. This isn't a an, an in cold blood kind of um, game scenario where you're just like, whatever, it doesn't matter. Leave a trail of death and destruction. Like you are actually being good. So mm -hmm. now what? Can I tell you a quick gaming story? Yes, please that do. popped into my head. Yeah. It's almost the reverse of it. Not the reverse of this, but it'll make sense. I was playing a game of masks that Chris was GMing. Mm -hmm. And in this game of masks, our teens got captured um, by these um, subterranean people. Like there was like a whole civilization under the earth kind of thing. And we got captured and they put these inhibitor collars on us so that we couldn't use our powers. Mm -hmm. um, and we were prisoners. And at one point we got the jump on a pair of guards and we were able to just physically overcome them with just, you know, our our actual ability to fight because we were, you know, superheroes. And we knocked them down. And um, I, my character, uh, shanked one of them, killed mm -hmm. them. And Chris was like, oh, my God, what are you doing? Right. You know, like, you guys are heroes. And I was like, sure, but we don't have our powers we are cut off from everybody and we are just the four of us alone. Like this guy can't persist. So I shanked him and um, it had its own consequences later in the game. But I was as a character out of options yeah. for what to do. 
Yeah. And and we're going to talk about it because maybe I wasn't out of options, right? right. This will be the key part. I felt like you felt, yeah. I you felt like there was nothing else I could yeah. do to keep us safe yes. other than shank this guard and kill him. Yes. And maybe that wasn't true, but when you feel that way as a player, yeah. right? Even even though my character was good and I had a moral compass and all of those things, um, and I was definitely a good superhero. I was not like a, you know, Wolverine-like superhero. I was a good superhero. But in that moment, without my powers, far from home, no way to escape, cornered, I took this violent action as my only choice. And yeah. for good drama, we let that play out in the game later. In yeah. like net later episodes, I actually lost my position as the leader of the team and all of that after a pretty big dramatic argument among the team members where I, you know, justified my action, but, you know, was shouted down um, and rightfully so, right, for getting carried away right. um, kind yeah. of thing. But it brings up that point that even good characters, you don't have to be evil, Mm-mm. even good characters, when they feel like they're backed into a corner or they feel like they're out of options, will resort to violence. Because inherently, all, I don't want to say all, inherently, most role-playing games have violence as a tool for solving conflicts. Mm -hmm. And if you don't have any other tool, you always can find violence. Mm -hmm. So it becomes this... Um, it becomes this easy button to solve problems. You won't make the heart, if you lack the ability to make more complicated choices or other choices, you can always just kill them. Yeah. Yep. So. Um, That's a, that I is even, a perfect story, actually, for this episode. <laughs> sure. I, I will give you just one more. Um, mm-hmm. I was playing in a Star Wars game. It's going to tell a lot about me as a character, as a person. Now that I'm telling you, these stories like, happened years apart, by really, the way. It's really, really interesting apart. to hear these stories because I am really trying to think about a time when I might have killed nope. a prisoner in character. And I, I don't think I have. This one wasn't ever. a prisoner. This one. Um, so this one, I. All right. I'll tell this story. I don't know how germane it is to the. Nope. I'm going to back up. I will save this for the Bamboo Lounge. Remind oh, okay. me okay, okay. We'll talk um, about it later. Okay. to tell the Star Wars story. <clears throat> okay. I will tell the Star Wars story in the Bamboo Lounge because I, as I'm thinking about it, it isn't really germane to this. It is just another moment where I chose violence over um, <laughs> something else. And that was a personal choice. Anyway, the masks example I just gave is, an, is a great example of this situation. Um, and... I know I think we I don't think we mentioned this, so I'll mention it really quickly. This topic about what to do with a prisoner is comp is further complicated or the problem is compounded when the group isn't of one alignment, philosophy, etc. Right. So if a few members of the group would be like, Sure, kill them. And some of them are like, no, you can't. Like, that's against my religion, deity, blah, blah, blah. You now have instant conflict. And yes. probably not fun conflict. No. Like, and there are this... fun conflicts in a game. This yes. is usually not one of them. No. And, and partially because this conflict tends to quickly spread to the player level, right? Because mm-hmm. this has a lot to do with how we see ourselves as as people and individuals and what we might be willing to do. Because, like, if if I'm not here for murdering innocent people, I'm unlikely to play a character that runs around doing that, like murdering helpless people. Um, and so this 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 conflict will quickly move to more personal feelings, even if you continue to have it, quote, in character. Um, and it sounds like this horror, just to be clear, this horror story, it was exactly that. It sounds like it went on for like hours. <laughs> Oy vey. So the bottom line to all of this is that this situation is almost never fun to debate. Yes. And it almost never results in anything interesting in the game. And therefore, 
as a GM, this is one of those rough spots in a game that honestly, we'd all like to just sand away. Yeah. So let's just not. Here at, here at Pandas Talking Games, <laughs> we're going to help you out. Let's talk about a couple of solutions. And I'm going to be honest with you. These are not like revolutionary solutions. Like when we tell you these solutions, you'll be like, hmm, yeah, good idea. Like they're not revolutionary solutions, but trust me when we tell you that there's like deal with this sooner than later. Like nip this thing in the bud before it bogs down a game and gets into arguments and conversation that is non-productive and isn't going to result in any fun. So, well, how and, do we? And, and even worse, this is going to be the same answer we give to so many questions really at its high level, right? Which is communicate. <laughs> I mean, yeah, hint, spoiler hint. alert. Spoilers. This is going to be about communication, but d- these are some specific tips about how and when you could be bringing this conversation into your game in advance to try to catch it before it happens. Um, you know, as usual. So, How do we deal with this? Uh, Cool. Well, so one of the ways is to address it in session zero. Um, And obviously you can't address everything in the world in session zero. And we recommend addressing things in session zero a lot. But if this has been a problem for you before, especially with this group before, like now is the time to catch it. You can have this conversation before the game even starts and just set new expectations because that's what session zero really is about is setting expectations for the game, right? Mm -hmm. So um, this is... When you can have the conversation, what do we do with prisoners in this game, right? Um, And it might be that you just say, you know, okay, and you can have the conversation, but you can say things like, as a GM, if you free a prisoner, they are going to run away and they will not come back, right? Like it's almost like a house rule, right? It's like almost a house rule. Right. You release a prisoner, house rule, they're out of the story, or at least they're out of this entire story arc. Like if you run into them 300 miles away in a different pub and have a dramatic moment where they freak out that you're there or something like that's different, but they are not coming back to this story or this arc or whatever that looks like. Um, and just have that conversation so that they, you always know that they have an, that option, right? Yeah. You could always say something like you could have a house rule that says, Hey, if you want, you can just knock out, you can just say you knock out a, um, you know, a combatant, like, you know, a restrained combatant, uh, and they're out for the story. Like yeah. when they they're wake gone. up, whatever, like it, they're no longer, they, they, they no longer are a factor in your story. Right. That's it. They're done. Right. Um, or, and, and, and other things like you can also have the conversation and you can have as many, you know, specific bits and pieces of this as feels appropriate for you, your game and your, your, you know, table. But you might also say, if you leave a prisoner restrained somewhere, like you leave them out in the forest, the bandits scout out in the forest and you leave them tied up. Um, you know, as a GM, you can say they are not going to get eaten by a bear. They are not going to die of exposure and they will get away in a couple of days. And then again, it's like running away. They're out of the story. They're not coming back. Right. Right. And, and the crux of all of this is the same thing. We are creating a house rule that presents a nonviolent option. Yes. That is made clearly available to the characters so that the characters know that they now have this option besides violence. Yes. Yeah. Right? Because that's that's really what you're doing is just saying always and explicitly you will always have this nonviolent option available to you. Right. And that it addresses the things that we talked about earlier that are in play, which addresses the... um, so it addresses the, well, they'll foil my future, our future action. Yeah, they're no, going to they come won't. back and screw us over. No. As right. the person running the game, I'm telling you, these people are out. Yeah. Yeah. And it also won't mess with, like, it, it, we're just acknowledging, like, hey, this is a game slash story. So, yes, once they are out, they're out. Yeah. Yeah. They're going back they, like, home to the farm with their mom and their brother. They depixelate. And, right. Whatever. They're, not, they're just. <laughs> they're gone. Right. They just, they don't matter <laughs> after this. Right. Yeah. This is not real life. <laughs> exactly. It, it, well, yes, exactly. This is not real life. This yeah. is a story. So we can just say that minor characters that run off screen are just no longer, they no That's longer matter. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, and the, the only other thing that I do want to mention about these as solutions is it does require um, GM trust, right? Your yeah. players do have to trust you 
not to do that. And part of the reason to have this conversation explicitly is to give them a chance to trust you to do that and to not bring potential other past GM trauma with them into a game where they might have had a GM who specifically abused them for leaving someone behind alive and took yeah. advantage of that, right? Like you are laying out the 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 their ability to give you a chance and you're giving them a chance to trust you to not intentionally use them acting like real humans who don't want to murder someone who's tied up. Um, you're giving them a chance to say, look, in this game, that's not going to be a problem. Yeah. And I think that while there is a degree of GM trust involved, I think what's really nice about this, if you do it at session zero and actually make it a house rule, yeah. is that it's a rule. It's a rule. Right? It's not a, it's not a, um, it's not a GM decision or fiat. Yeah. It's a house rule, which is something that we, you know, again, if you don't have high trust with your GM, that's a whole other issue. Sort of a whole other problem, honestly, yeah. we can do a whole episode on that <laughs> yeah. by itself. But by making it a house rule, it is enforceable in both directions. Yeah. Right. It applies to the players. It applies to the GM, as opposed to what we're going to talk about in a few minutes, which is if you make a decision during the session and you just make a call, the players have to trust you will keep your word. Yeah. Yep. And which again, yeah. All right. Yeah. So there's one more thing you can do during session zero. Um, that can also help with this. Yeah, and it's part of your safety conversation, right? And and whatever that looks like in your particular game. For this particular example, I'm using the word particular a lot, so let's just say it a couple more times. Uh, for this particular example, um, we are going to talk about it from the perspective of lines and veils um, mm -hmm. because that's probably, that is one good way to approach it um, in a session zero slash um setting up an advanced perspective, right? Um, yep. And that is you can cover all sorts of things that have to do with prisoners from murdering them to information extraction um, as part of lines and veils. So you can line that stuff out. Can't like we're, we're doing a line on killing prisoners. We're doing a line on torture, right? Like yep. or we could do a veil on torture where we could be mm -hmm. like, look, we're going to, uh, you know, like when you need to extract information from somebody, we don't get into it. It's just, you know, the line, you know, the, the veil comes down and here's the GM. I, as GM, I just tell you, like, here's what you learn. The information that you got. Yep. Yeah. And then we all move yeah. on. Um, there, there's yeah. a worse one that I put in the notes, which is yeah, you can just veil killing veil prisoners. Killing them. I hate that. You are still bad, right? Like, <laughs> let, let's just be clear. Even if you don't see it happen on screen, like you still know it happened. Like you still murdered someone who was like tied up or something. And like, that's, Mm. Do you remember my favorite moral test in in all RPGs? The goblin baby. The goblin baby. Yep. Nothing worse. You want to see a fight break out? Drop a goblin baby <laughs> in the middle of an encounter. It makes a mess. It gets into things about monsters versus other species versus prisoners versus taking care of things. Oh, boy, can you make a whole disaster? I, I don't mean, recommend it. I'm just saying if you really want to know if, if you your really players are good to. or not. Well, I mean, there's a, a whole, there's a whole issue of nature versus nurture. And then there's also a whole issue of like inherent racism in D, D. like there's so many problems once in a dungeon just, world game oh we found a goblin baby okay at least and we took an entire side quest to find this monastery where these clerics raised like monsters like quote Monster monsters babies, right like yeah. other species other species babies and we brought them the goblin baby like we stopped the quest we were on and we were like because we were like, we said, we looked at it. We were like, this is a baby. This is a baby. We need to take care of it. But also like, we're not lone wolf cubbing this thing. Like, you know, putting a baby in a backpack and going on terrible adventures with it. Because that is another form of bad parenting. I know, but so, it would have been great. <laughs> so our GM at the time was like, well, you know of a monastery that like takes in war orphans and things like that, that would, you know, accept the goblin baby. And we were like. We are leaving the dungeon and going <laughs> to this going monastery. To the monastery right now. Yep. We're not even we're not even finishing this. Yeah. yeah, it was just, you know, it was a um and and those were the types of characters we were. We were into um finding treasure, 
and getting treasure out of ruins. We weren't in there to murder stuff. Like, yeah. So anyway, so anyway, lines and bound. We we talk about lines, lines and veils. Yeah, lines and veils. Okay, cool. <laughs> All right. Now here's the thing. There is not a great chance that you will have done this in your session zero for a game because it is not yeah. always a topic that comes up. Now, if you have had a traumatic experience in a game oh, because yeah. of something like this, then oh, yes, yeah. it probably is in your session zero or should be in your session zero. But we acknowledge that, like, look, we we give out a lot of advice here. You can't put everything that we say into a session zero. Your no, session zero would be, would be like a session zero arc. Right. right. It would be very like, long. So you have you probably did not do the first one. We're encouraging you to do it if you if this is a problem in your games, but you probably didn't. So let's talk about the other half of this, <laughs> right. which is what happens when it happens in the middle now. of the session. Here yeah. you are. You're the GM. <laughs> they suddenly have captured one of your combatants and they are starting down the path of what should we do with this combatant? Yes. And this is the good news is, although this does require a, a higher degree of GM trust, as we started to get into earlier. Um, but the good news is, if you see them start to struggle, to struggle, this is the the point at which you, a good GM, can offer them a nonviolent solution, right? Whatever that looks like. And mm -hmm. again, you can just be really explicit about it, so you can say to them, "Look, if you knock them out right now." Um, they're not going to wake up in time to warn anyone. Like, you can just say that, right? Yep. Or you can say, um, you know, I, I, if you let these people run away, they're going to go back to their mom's farm. You know, kind of the same things we talked about, house ruling, but you're going to say it in the moment. Um, or maybe they're cowards. If you let them go, they're going to run away. You know, so, back to the dairy farm where they grew up. I actually had this happen in a game. Mm -hmm. Uh, about a year ago, I was playing Forbidden Lands, and the players were coming upon this adventure site, um, which, quote, you know, in quotes, dungeon, right? Mm -hmm. And there was a outpost. The um, the the bad guys, and in this case, I hate to say it, but they were orcs, right? The bad guys are all in the bottom of this ravine where the entrance to the dungeon is, and they're hanging out. But they had built an outpost on top of like at the high part so they could see anyone trying to sneak up on them in the ravine. So the players were very stealthy and they were able to sneak into the tower and capture that orc. And they, you know, made like a couple of intimidation checks or whatever social check it was at the time. And the orc explained like, oh, the camp's down in the ravine, this, that, and the other thing. And so then the players began, just started this discussion when I was like, hold up. I'm like, mm -hmm. if you kill him, you kill him. That's on you. But here's the thing. In Forbidden Lands, there is actually a rule where you have to make a check in order to murder someone. Like, you can fight someone in combat and, you you know, you just roll out combat or whatever. But they have, like, a specific rule. Like, you have to make a roll and you take some damage. Yeah. Like some psych, like psyche damage you when you murder somebody. Right. Yeah. So the players, like, debated for a few seconds. And I said to them, I said, listen. If your concern is that this guy is going to go warn everybody else, then whatever nonviolent solution you come up with, that solves this problem. You want to tie him up. You want to make him run away. You want to like bribe him. Like, I don't care what it is. That's what I told him. I said, I don't care what this, what your solution is that this nonviolent solution, I'm telling you it works. Like, not going to screw you over. Like, it works. You want to give him a couple gold pieces and tell him, like, head into town and go get yourself drunk and forget what happened here? Mm -hmm. Works. Tie him up. He won't die. He'll, like, he'll eventually get out of it, whatever. It works. Period. End of sentence. And that's what they did. Yeah. They were like, oh, cool. Like, as soon as I offered it to them and told them that it wasn't going to have those repercussions. Yes. Like, you just, he, you remove him from the story with whatever action you tell me. Yeah, because really what you're doing is you're just, you're just making it clear and explicit as the GM that um, you're not going to screw them over. Mm -hmm. for making a reasonable decision because the whole reason that this conversation comes up that we that we end up stuck in these arguments of oh we have to kill them is because of this like 
GM stereotype where the GM is out to get you and is going to use everything at their, you know, control. And that, you know, of course, they're then going to use that prisoner that you didn't murder to screw you over. Right. Because why else would we even be having that conversation? Yes. And now we'll now have an aside. Let me just have a one on. Let me let let me have a heart to heart core decor. Right. Core decor with our with our GMs. Yes. If you have good players and you are purposely fucking with them (laughs) to get them to do bad things like you, you know, give them no choice but to murder this prisoner because if they don't, you're absolutely going to screw them over with it or whatever. And you are pushing them into those bad places for your amusement to psychologically see what happens when you do this. Unless that is the conceit of your game, unless that was a session zero discussion, like we Mm -hmm. are playing a high drama game about people and decisions. If you're just playing D&D and you're just fucking with your good characters to try to make them do bad things, fucking stop. Like just you're a dick. Don't do that. You're a dick. Right. (laughs) There's a way to if you want to play that game, there are games where you can play that. Sure. Like, and it, and everybody, everybody consents and is in and whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but if you are conducting your own fucking psychological experiments for yeah. your own private amusement on your yeah. players, don't fucking do that. We could have a whole other discussion. There are things, okay. Pause. Anyway, yes. end of heart to heart. Yes, I'm just yes. telling you, be be better. Like, be <laughs> better at this. Yeah. Okay. So back to what you were saying before. This solution's great, but it does require trust, right? It requires the players to believe that the GM will follow through on what they said. Now, I have a high degree of trust with my players, so this was very easy for my players. Once I produced it for them and gave them an off-ramp from slitting this, you know, unarmed person's throat, they were like, awesome. And, you know, like, off-ramp achieved. Here's a different solution, and off we go. Move on with the story. Yeah. Yeah. And that's really all we're talking about here is just give them the off-ramp. Yeah. Like, a lot of times, players don't really want to commit violence. They love combat. That's different, yeah. They love combat. They're not, they don't all love violence. And if the ones, if there are some that really love violence, you also might want to keep an eye on them. Um, (laughs) They may not be okay, right? Like, they... If they're getting like super excited about violence, like, you know, keep an eye on them. Anyway, point is that as long as you provide a nonviolent solution, you have not forced the players into a decision. Now, they may kill them. Like, like, you can't control the whole situation, right? If you provide them a nonviolent situation, they're like, oh, fuck it, slit his throat. Like, uh, okay, okay, like, you know. Play through, right? That kind of thing. But if you never offer them the nonviolent solution and they have to slit his throat because they feel like they have no other choice, that's like, that's not a choice. That's funneling them. Yeah. And that's different, right? So you want to give that choice. They, you don't force them to take it, but you present it. Yes. That's the yeah. crux of what we're talking about here. And I know as I've gotten older. So when I was a teenager, I will I can I can say very clearly when I was a teenager, I was a heartless, cruel character like my characters like I would not have thought twice about, you know, just killing noncombatants after I got what I wanted, whatever, whatever. As I have gotten older and a little more well-rounded and a lot more empathy and stuff in the world, um, I am less comfortable with those things. Right. I like I'm very comfortable. Like when my players in Forbidden Lands did not want to kill this guy, I was like, I will help you out. Right. Like, I don't don't really want you killing him either. (laughs) Like there's nothing interesting to doing this in this story. Like there's nothing interesting. Like, let's just get this hurdle out of the way. Yeah. And as I've gotten older. I used to, when I was younger, I liked darker, grittier games. Like, I liked things where we, you know, are you really the good guys or are you bad guys trying to make the world better kind of stories. And I don't know if it's just a function of age. I don't know if it's a function of where we are in society, but I am very much about playing like much more hopeful and better characters, like good characters. 
And so this situation becomes more prominent in games because I am like my players are now more likely to let someone surrender. They are more likely to capture someone and then want to deal with them in a nonviolent manner. And so Mm -hmm. having this in my tool set, having, you know, knowing when to jump in and offer a thing or knowing when to put it in my session zero, depending on the game, is a big help into keeping that tone of game. Because if we're playing a good game and suddenly somebody slices somebody's throat, like an unarmed prisoner's throat, the whole tone just it, the tone the gets thrown <laughs> off and like like it could start stuff between characters or players like mm-hmm. it can really mess things up in a not fun way. And so if those things are important to you, having this as just a little tool in your toolbox goes a long way. We good? Yeah, I think we're good. Fantastic. All right. Real quick, everyone, just a reminder. Happy holidays. Um, we don't know what you celebrate, if at all, but um, we love this season um, for all of its holidays and just all of its festiveness and present giving and parties and whatever. So happy holidays. We'll catch up with you in 2023 when we're back in January. My gosh, 2023. Yes. It seems wow. weird. So weird. <laughs> seems big. Yeah. yeah, it seems big. Yeah. Cool. Anyway. Thanks a bunch, everyone, for and thanks a bunch for listening um, all of 2022. Maybe you listened to all of us. Maybe you picked us up this year or whatever. But thanks for listening to us in 2022. And we hope you will be listening to us in 2023. Yeah, it's really delightful to have you all here. So thank you. Thanks for listening. And, you know, I I should save this. But do you know what you get a podcaster for Christmas or for whatever holiday they celebrate? We both happen to celebrate Christmas. What's that? Uh, you give them a review. <laughs> you can give us a review for Christmas. Give us a review <laughs> for, Christmas. A for Christmas. Listen, it will actually make, it will it really make our day. It makes my day. Yeah. hundred percent. We'll make our day. Yep. All right. Yep. Cool. We'll remind you again in just a few minutes. Yeah, yeah. Um, but in order for us to get to the end of the show and to get to the Bamboo Lounge, where I'll tell you my Star Wars Star story. Star Wars story. Yep. Um, we need to talk about another show on the Misdirected Mark Network. And that one is... Uh, today it is Misdirected Mark, the podcast. Also on hiatus. Also but on hiatus, but there's going to be a lot of hiatuses going on this month. However, we're releasing well, um, bonus material all week. Ooh. We've recorded a shit ton of stuff. We actually are releasing um, our uh, our like off the cuffs. We call them. We're releasing off the cuffs the entire time that we're on hiatus. Yeah. So you won't notice a difference in the feed other than the type of content is going to be bonus content instead of the normal show format. Correct. Yeah. Um, but basically, Phil, Chris, Bob, and Jerry break down and get inside games, game mastering, playing games, and game design in an effort to entertain and inform you and look forward to off-the-cuff episodes for all of this one-month hiatus. Yes. And then when we come back in January, we will be heading into episode 500. Yeah. Which is like a much bigger deal, I think, than our episode 300 is going to be in terms of like what it does to the show. And I can tell you, if you have not been listening to Mr. Director Mark, or if you are, um, after episode 500, and we'll talk about it, I think, in episode 500, our format for the show is going to have a um, fairly big change that we're excited about. Uh, 500 seemed like a good time to shake up the show a bit. Uh, it'll still be game mastering, you know, talk and stuff like that. But the format by which we do it is going to change, I think, in some really interesting ways. I hope so. Yeah. Well, we're so, all excited, I think, to, to check it out in it, January. How it goes. Yeah. Cool. All right. With that, Senda, even though we're on hiatus, mm-hmm. people could still contact us with GMing uh, questions and things like that. How yeah. how would they do that? Absolutely, you can, and you should as you come up with them. Either as you're gaming on holiday, or as you're stuck on hiatus from all your games because everybody's on vacation. Whatever that looks like for you, if you're coming up with game questions, please send them to us. You can uh, drop them to us. Um, we're still on Twitter uh, as that ship. Uh, it slowly seems to be taking on water, but we're we're still there for right now. It's at Pandas Talk Games. Um, you can find us actually both on uh, Mastodon Dice.camp. Um, our individual handles at DNA Phil and at Idella Mithland. Um, you can drop us no. You can actually also else? still find us on Twitter by those handles as you well. You can too. Yeah, we have not abandoned. We them. haven't abandoned the ship. I'm just uh, I'm side eyeing that whole thing right now. Like. <laughs> 
<laughs> feels like there might be an iceberg in the side of the ship, but like, I don't know what's going Where'd on. Where'd okay. all this ice on the deck come from? Like, <laughs> um, anyway, so you can find us there, but you can find us on Dice Camp too if you are having similar concerns about Twitter. Um, and uh, you can always find us at forums.misdirectedmark.com where we have the actual forums set up. And you can always drop us an email, panda at misdirectedmark.com also, where you can write us as many words as you want with no character limit. And that's cool too. And if you're feeling really adventurous, you can go hunt us down on TikTok where you can actually do a video question for us. And then we will use your audio if you send it to us. Mm -hmm. Indeed, indeed. And like we said um, just before, send us uh, your ideas, questions, uh, your gaming horror stories, whatever it is you send us. We have a knack for turning out shows. Like, like we will find a topic in almost anything. That that email that came in with it, into us was basically a gaming horror story, and Ugh. after reading it, I was like, "Oh, I want this topic!" Right, like, just pulled it right out of. I just yeah. read it and I was like, I am so sorry that this that you had to have this and, game experience. And the reason we didn't read Oof. it to all of you was because there it wasn't clear whether we uh, had permission to use names or if names yes. had been changed or all. Like, we didn't want to, like, out anybody or make anyone uncomfortable. Um, I just really liked the topic. So uh, that's why we paraphrased everything. But if you are going to send us your gaming horror story, like, please change all the names on it and let us know if when you send it, yeah, if, we know can if we or can or can't use it. If we it. can read it. We could have yeah. turned around and asked, but we were really excited about this topic and we just did it. <laughs> like it's, Yeah, we just we just didn't want to, you know, it. again, we didn't, didn't want to call forth. anyone out, like that kind of thing. We're trying, you know, respectful where we can. But anyway, um, your topics, the things that are giving you... Um, like the things you're just like, oh, I hate when this comes up in my game. Um, the things you don't like to do in a game, like, oh, I hate doing mysteries, whatever. Like whatever those things are, our job here is to help you have more fun at your games. Because when you have more fun at your games, you will run more games, people will play more games, and you will play more types of games. And that just makes the hobby a better place. So that's what we want to do. We want to help you out. So send it to us, whatever it is. Uh, like I said, we have a knack for being able to turn a show out of just about anything. Send mm -hmm. it our way. Mm -hmm. If you like what we do here elsewhere on the Misdirected Mark Network, consider checking out our Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash MMP patrons. Get access to the Bamboo Lounge, the Misdirected Mark After Show, and our Slack Room for Life. Uh, we still have our Friday lunch calls. Like if you ever want to just see what you, if you ever want to see Phil eating lunch, um, that's a thing. <laughs> actually, you can't see. I almost always am at a camera when I'm actually eating. But yeah, um, but if you want to hang out with us on a Friday, especially if you like work from home or something like that, um, it's easier if you're on East Coast time. Although we've had mm -hmm. plenty of people from Europe pop in and say hi from time to time. Yes, um, it's just in the evening. And, and like it's like their evening, and we <laughs> yeah. like you know they're very nice to show up in their evening. But um, you know. Anyway, you can come check us out. Um, and then uh, actually, and I will just hint at this, but again, I was talking about the changes in Mr. Dr. Mark at 500. Some of the things that we are going to be doing in the post 500 shows will also have Patreon content. So our patrons will also get access to that as well. So that stuff's also coming down um, the pike, so to speak. Anyway, um, if you are backing our Patreon campaign, thank you very much. It keeps the lights on, keeps the data flowing kind of thing. We thank you very much for your support. If you're unable to back our Patreon campaign and you're in the holiday spirit, mm. there's a thing you can do that is absolutely <laughs> like getting surprise presents, presents, presents for, for, for podcasters. Yeah. Yes. What is it, Senda? You can leave us a, a rating or really, you know, we don't we don't see the ratings on an individual level, but we appreciate them. But boy, when people leave us reviews, that's really cool. <laughs> It is. So you could leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or the podcatcher of your choice, which is like telling a stranger that you like us and like sending it's like sending us a Christmas present. Absolutely. Indeed. <laughs> okay. So thank you very much. Um happy holidays. Yeah. And um we will we'll catch see you, you in 2023. Yeah, in the new year. Happy New Year too. This show is a joint production of She's a Super Geek and Misdirected Mark Productions, the media arm of Encoded Designs. Show me what you got. Hey, show me what you got. Show me what you got. Hey, 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 show me what you got. Hey.
Bloopie, why are you? Hello. Why would you do that? Do what? <laughs> I'm unaware. Did I say something right before I'm, the buttons got clicked? Well, I'm sure Might not going to repeat it here. No, you're not. Bloop. Hi, Ryan. <laughs> Hi, Ryan. Happy holidays. Yeah. We should have told Ryan about our holiday hiatus before he told everybody else. Bloop. We're taking a few weeks off. Gonna relax. We're gonna take some weeks off. We're gonna take some weeks off. So we're gonna drop this episode and then we're gonna take off um until the first week of January. Yeah. Yipper. Take off four weeks, relax. Not have to produce any shows. Yeah. Not have to just hang out, chill, bake cookies. Yeah. I have gingerbread cookies. cookies and candle dipping in my future because I want to dip candles and my child wants to make a gingerbread house. So the answer, of course, is we're just going to do both. There you go. Bloop. My dryer is running downstairs and I can hear it, but I don't think my mic can hear it. So hopefully that's true. It's pretty distant and pretty loud. There's a lot of activity going on in my hallway. Hmm. So can I ask you a weird thing? Is your mic stand touching something? Your desk, your arm, your... C'est possible. Cool. Let's try that. Is that Thank better? You. I think so. I think what was happening is every time I saw your hands touch your desk, I could hear a little bit of a weird rubbing sound, and I think it was the desk rubbing. Okay. The... My chair's a little squeaky, too. Hopefully that's not No, it, it wasn't but... that. It wasn't that. It was But I rubbing. think the mic stand vertical part was, like, touching against the desk yeah, part. So that's what it sounded and... like. Because every time you put your hand down on the table, your hand was silent, but I heard it. <laughs> It's my, I I hold my hands together because, you know, otherwise I start talking with my hands and then I I like slap the mic. You slap the mic and you flail around and you get Italian and you, you do the the doppel mic thing. Yeah, it's true. Right. So what I, so I'm sitting here with my finger, like fingers laced, right? Like, and and hands like down on my desk so that I can't uh, start flailing around. Okay, we should record though because yeah, you got no, stuff time. to do it's today. Yeah, no, it's good time. Yes. Um, my my iPad turned off. Hang on, I don't have any notes now. I have notes. Ah, damn it! I guess these again. <sighs> okay. Are you ready? <laughs> yes. Bloop. Probably. Yeah, you're Save gonna, you from struggling. Yeah, like, just do, cut do. me off of that. I was <laughs> like, I, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, what will no. we ever do with the prisoner? <laughs> don't say it like that. <laughs> Bloop. How about this? Oh, no. Whatever will we do with the prisoner? What are you doing to me today? <laughs> Bloop. And welcome to another fine episode of Pandas Talking Games. I am your host, who often likes to capture things, Phil. What? <laughs> oh, maybe we need to do another one. You don't want to do the other half of that? I don't know. No, no, no I'm nope. not. No. <laughs> what? Bloop. And welcome You're to another fine to episode. Do all of this stuff before the show starts, killing just me. so killing we're clear. Me here, I'm killing you. Okay, I'm killing you. I, I know you were it. doing it. I lost it. Okay, I'm shutting up now. Bloop. Four weeks. Ooh, I totally just elbowed my desk, which you might have been able to hear. Bloop. Show me what you got. Show, <laughs> show me what you got. Show me what you got. Show me what you got. We didn't do a show me question. I know. Okay. It felt. We it did feels the weird. holiday wrap up. It feels weird. It just feels weird. 